Sci-Fi for Me presents Jason Hunt and Timothy Harvey. This is the H2O Podcast. I don't know if it's the gremlins or if it's the intern. Uh, welcome, everyone, and to this. The gremlin peels back her mask and reveals <laughs> it's the intern. Yes. Welcome to this episode of the H2O Podcast. My name is Jason Hunt, and here with me is my trusted sidekick, Tim Harvey. Sidekick? Yeah, well, really? You know. Really go with sidekick? <laughs> Co-conspirator. Mm, there we go. That's a right. better. All right. Um, and we're we're going to keep things a little light today. Um, because there's no other way to do it. Um, uh, this past, this past Sunday, we, we had a chance to visit the FP and, and what an experience, what a trip that was. Oh yes. yes. So, um, Alamo Draft House here in Kansas city, uh, had a double feature of a film, or if you're not familiar with a film, called The FP, and its sequel, which has recently recently been touring uh, Alamo Drafthouse Theaters. Yes, around the FP country. 2 Beats of Rage. And we were uh, we went along, and Jason basically hosted, co-hosted, mm-hmm. um, uh, the screening, and we handed a lot of Blu-rays, and we got to watch the films, and we laughed a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we did <laughs> in a good way. In a good way. This is yeah. this is. Um, it is very obviously a parody. Yes. Of the big action fight type movies of the eighties and nineties, right, things like yeah. Bloodsport, all the Jean Claude Van Damme stuff, and you know Rambo and Rocky, Rocky. and and of course the. Well, and, uh, American also, Ninja. Yeah. What are, you know? What are those those kickboxing type? Oh, yeah. if, it was, if, it was, if it had Jean Claude Van Damme in it, or uh, Sylvester Stallone, or uh, was it? Is it Jeff Makepeace? Was that the? Was there? Wasn't there? An, uh, yeah, an or, uh, or 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 Steven Seagal. Yeah, yeah. It's it's that kind. There's there's a formula to those kinds of movies, uh-huh. and you either enjoy that formula. Or you? I'm I'm getting a look. What? I'm getting. You got. You gave me a look. Like, uh, what's going on? Oh, okay. I, sure. Uh, blaming me. Blaming me. I see what she's doing here. Interesting. <clears throat> so anyway. Yeah. But we digress. <laughs> see, the thing with it is, though, the 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 funny part is the people that are watching this. Uh huh are going to be able to tell that things are going on here in the studio. Right, yeah. People who hear this as a podcast have absolutely no idea what's going on right. because they don't watch. So so for those the of you... The intern was making faces at him is what happened. For those of you listening to this as a podcast, you should be watching. We're on live every Saturday at 2 o'clock. She was sticking his t- her tongue out at him. And... 2 p.m. Central. Um well, you know, it's better than other gestures I could get. That's true. Not, not saying that she does a whole lot of, of anything, but, you know. <clears throat> anyway. Uh. Anyway, back to the FP. Because, you know, 
So it's kind of a uh, it, so think of it think of it as uh, a loving mockery of that kind of storytelling, which is very cliche ridden, is very much a um, a very styled. Uh, it, it was popular during this like 10, 10 12 year window where it yeah. was just these were the you saw these films everywhere and they were huge blockbuster films I mean they were you know you Steven Seagal got a career out of out of this uh, and so did um, Erica Eleniak yeah, <laughs> yeah you know sure. you don't see her in anything anymore well why know, why I... don't you see Erica Eleniak she was here. In Kansas City, for there was a there was a a, a one off convention called Con X that was yeah. going to be this new thing, and they only did the one year and it never came never came back again. But mm-hmm. um, she was there. Um, we got a chance to interview her, except my cameraman kind of wasn't pointing the camera at her. Oh, it kind of went. This way and no. this way and that way and I was like, I I can't wait. No, what are you doing? What are you doing? But anyway, I mean, he was what twelve at the time, no, so no. you know, not paying attention. Some, certain certain <clears throat> justifications there. Things happen. Yeah. Things happen. But um, I I have not seen Erica Eleniak do anything in a while. I mean, she did yeah. Baywatch. She did mm-hmm. the she did the Steven Seagal one where they. Hijacked the boat. Tommy Lee Jones was the bad under guy. Under siege. was it under siege? Yeah, it was under siege. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. Under Siege 2 um, has a great villain speech in it. Um, and actually, the best parts about the Under Siege movies, Steven Seagal, I, we, we cannot, I cannot say that Steven Seagal made good movies, but he had great bad guys in his movies. <laughs> well, Tommy Lee Jones was a bad guy in the first one. Exactly. Um, mate, that's, that's kind of what was missing from the FP was the big villain speech? Well, no, yeah, that's true. Um, although the, according to the writer, the um, which was one of these two brothers who made the films, uh, he, the villain in the film is basically sort of modeled off Mr. T. Uh huh. And um, the actor who played the part was so embarrassed that he didn't want to talk to him anymore. <laughs> what he would have asked him to I, do. I can understand that. I mean. You know, it's a very ridiculous part. Oh, it is. Well, it's a very ridiculous movie. I mean, I all of the parts are it's so much fun. This is okay. Spoiler alert: We're going to tell you to watch this movie. Hmm. <laughs> I had to bet, think about that one for a minute. Um, okay. I'm going to tell you to watch this movie. My my only reservation about this film. Is the fact because originally we thought, well, you know, maybe I'll take my kid and we'll mm. go, you know, have a have a day and it'll be fun. And then saw that it was rated R. I'm like, well, okay, maybe not. And then when we got in there and saw it, the uh, according to IMDb, there's 250 f bombs in this movie. Right. Yeah. And the the entertainment value of any film for me is diminished somewhat by the prolific gratuitous blue language and i and i understand in this particular film as a writer i can see what they were doing because Mm -hmm. back in the day 
that was in that was part of that formula and, and they're over exaggerating yeah, everything was in the formulation of that but it's still off-putting yeah, and I mean, I'm sitting there thinking, you know, if if it were just me, if I were if I were a paying, you know, buy a ticket paying customer, go mm-hmm. see this movie, I have no idea what it's about. I probably would have walked out f- before I got a chance to realize what they were doing. Mm-hmm. There's a movie in uh, in 1989 when the first Michael Keaton Batman movie came out. Right. Yeah. There was a group of us in college who said, you know, let's go see the Batman movie. So we go, and it was sold out. We couldn't mm. go. But we didn't want to go back to campus yet. And I was like, oh, sure. okay, well, mm. well, well, what else is showing at the theater? I'm like, oh, this one's got Adam Sandler in it. It's probably going to be funny. It's, what is this thing called? Oh, God. The Unsinkable Shecky Moskowitz? What is this about? Nobody, nobody had any idea what it was about. Right, yeah. Turns out what it's about, Adam Sandler plays Shecky Moskowitz. He is, I think, a janitor on a cruise ship. Oh, yeah. And his lifelong ambition, his dream is to be the cruise ship's stand-up comedian, mm-hmm. which that role is already taken. Norm MacDonald's character is uh-huh, the ship's stand-up right. comedian. I think we were maybe – five ten minutes into the film Mm -hmm. and had already lost count of the number of f-bombs in this movie and the story was just terrible i mean it's not even known as the unsinkable shaggy moskowitz anymore i think it's something called over overboard going overboard or something when you look it up on on imdb um it's it's a, it and it it became my new low. Before that, there was hardware. As my you know worst movie ever hmm. measure, the unsinkable Shaggy Moskowitz is now my worst movie ever measurement. So if it's if it's not as bad as unsinkable Shaggy Moskowitz, <laughs> it's okay. But that doesn't make it a good film. And this one, so I presume you guys walked out of the, you guys. Oh yeah, out. oh yeah, walked out. out. Yeah, yeah. Walked now out of some two. some of the groups stayed. Mm-hmm. But there were there were a couple of us who were like, no, done, finished. And this is this is just garbage. And it's a terrible movie. I mean, it really is. Yeah, see, swearing doesn't bother me. I, I I don't. I've never had a particularly big issue with it. Um, and the older I get, the less I do. It, it's um, a lot of a lot of the impact has has. I, for me, I, a lot of the words have lost the impact and what they mean. Yeah, they I become, think it's become punctuation. I think in, for in me, the the older I get, the more it strikes me that. I think it's, it's often lazy. It, yeah, it's lazy. You're you're but, not thinking. You're just using these words, like you say, as punctuation. Yeah. This is just well, this is just space filler, and you're not thinking about what you're saying. You're just spouting off. But it doesn't bother me as dumb. much because I think to some degree, um, in the evolution of language mm-hmm. and how we how things change and things lose things gain and lose emphasis. That's to me. That's that's how it's. It, it, I'm processing it anyway. Um, I've walked out of two films. Uh, the first one was Man Trouble with uh, Jack Nicholson and Ellen Barkin. And if you've never heard, if you're a Jack Nicholson I've heard fan, of this film. And you're a fan of Ellen Barkin, and you've never heard of Man Trouble, don't feel bad. It's a terrible, terrible film. Two very, very talented people who are completely wasted in this film. I don't know how it ended. I don't <laughs> care how it ended. I will never know. 
how it ended. If you've seen the film and you know how it ended, don't tell me. I don't. I, it, it's not necessary. Send an email do to do it. H two O at sci-fi.com. So bad. And the sci-fi other... snob says swearing is super lazy in most cases. Often is. Often is. Um, like I said, uh, the other one was Romeo and Juliet. Baz Luhrmann. Uh, people, a lot of people love that movie. And which I, version is that? That's the. Is that the one that's shown in the high schools all the time? There, that that one came later. Uh, this is no. This is the one that was basically uh, DiCaprio and oh, uh, the Romeo plus Juliet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one. Oh yeah, I never saw that one. Um, and it's edited like a music video. Mm. And on one hand, I complete uh, as an editor. Yes. Um, I admire the technique. I think it's. I think it. I think it's actually very, very clever. Watching it in a movie theater gave me a terrible headache, and I had to leave. I mean, it literally. My brain said no. We're yeah, done. I would expect that something like that, where you would have that kind of edit, if you're looking at music video style editing, that works probably better for shorter projects. Well, I watched it on television. I watched. I watched it on video. Uh -huh. um, af uh, not too long after that, and actually was able to sit sit through it and I think it's clever yeah. it's it's not anywhere near my favorite Romeo and Juliet adaptation but it is it, I admire the technique more than I admire the film because a lot of people talk about that with Ang Lee's Hulk mm. with the editing on that one because of all of the multi-frame and the, the comic book format layouts and yeah. stuff and some people think oh that was that's really clever and that's really smart and oh look at what they did and there were some people who were saying it's too much there's too yep. much of that in there it's overpowering the story because we're all looking at the comic book panels and ah, stop mm -hmm. so but it's also my least favorite Baz Luhrmann film um, and I actually quite like a lot, like a lot of his films yeah um, but uh, yeah no I'm, I can't well remember. the the FP is the FP is my favorite of the two Trost brother films that I've seen. Yes, it is. It is. Uh, it, it is. It is a very funny film. And if you are a fan of the those kinds of movies, those eighties and nineties films, or at least you grew up in that time period and you're familiar with them, whether or not you stayed a fan or were a fan, you even if you weren't a fan of those, you may enjoy this a lot because you'll recognize how it's making fun of in a, in a fairly loving way. You could tell these these the brothers who made the film are fans. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so you end up with certain things that pop up in the course of the film where you're going, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> we, we get to the end of the film and the credits are rolling on the first one and I see that they've got James Remar as the narrator. Yeah. And I thought that was a nice touch. I was like, oh, yeah, Remar. Because some people don't know, James Remar was supposed to be in Aliens. Mm -hmm. He was actually supposed to play Michael Biehn's character. Right. And actually is in the film there's a couple of shots where you see the back of his head mm. um in the in the surveillance camera video footage right. when everybody's down in the in the underground and what had happened was remar at the at the time was dealing with drug problems mm -hmm. and got fired off the set because he wasn't being a reliable performer and they called michael b in the last minute and he's shooting the next day yeah and I thought it's it's it was a nice touch to for James Remar to show up in this in this movie. I mean, he's not in the movie. They they got him to narrate, right? But just that that little bit, given you know his 
career and mm-hmm. where he was in in stuff. I thought that was a nice touch. The second movie, though, well, let's 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 give them a sense. Let's give them a sense of what the first film is really. I mean, we've talked about the style of yeah, what but it is. We tease. I, we I tease, tease here. But, but you have to have a little bit of a premise here because again, if That's you true. if you didn't know what kind of film this is going in and you and swearing bothers you, yeah. then you might not have the chance to enjoy the particular pleasures of this movie. So picture, <laughs> if you will, ladies and gentlemen. A dystopian future. Not the dystopian future, but a dystopian future. Yeah, just slightly dystopian. Just just dystopian, kind of dystopian, dystopian. adjacent. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Sort of sort of half dystopian. And in this dystopian future of a kind, there is a place called the FP. Now, um, for those of you who are wondering, the FP actually is a real place in California. It's called right. Fraser Park. Mm-hmm. It is in, where is it, Southern California? On the north side of the grapevine. So for those of you who are in California, you know what we're talking about. About 30 minutes from Bakersfield. See, I don't know where Bakersfield is. Well, that doesn't and, help me at all. And Fraser Park was not necessarily referred to as the FP until the OC. The OC. I think it actually ties into, they started referring to it as, as the OC became a TV show. So it's kind of yeah. like uh, you know an in joke for the folks who live there, right? So you have Fraser Park in California, which is the setting for this for this place, and you have gang warfare, right? And there's uh, essentially the north, the north and the south, the north, the gang on the north side, and the gang on the south side. Now, is is two four eight and two four five? I'm assuming those are area codes in that in that no, spot. Oh, okay. So I, I'm not knows? sure. Uh, I, it, I don't. If they explain it in the film, it goes by. Really, I don't really think quick. they do. But they, um, they're basically warring over the one liquor store in town, and, they, <laughs> and whoever controls the liquor store controls the town. The town. Um, Which yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> okay. But and they settle. They settle their differences through the power of dance. <laughs> Dance Dance Revolution. Well, actually, in the movie, is Dance Dance Revelation because they couldn't get the rights right. to the game. Right. And um, they, in fact, yeah. the uh, all the all the graphics we see on the screen were computer generated to sort of evoke the actual Dance Dance Revolution stuff without yeah. actually being <coughs> right the same you know, the copyrighted uh, visuals. But yeah, because I don't think Dance Dance Revolution has any four letter swear words in it. No, but a lot of the script was influenced by things like, um, oh, Grand Theft Auto. Auto. Yeah. (laughs) But it's uh, so it is every good story needs a conflict. And so, of course, you have the the character on the the young man who who uh, must avenge a tragic death. Yes. His brother who dies doing battle dance battle. Now. This is this is where I'm not clear because when we came, when we first started talking to Alamo Drafthouse about doing this, I did I did my homework. Mm-hmm. I looked up the movie. I sure. researched it, and it appears from the marketing, uh, you know, the, you look at the trailers and whatnot, that whoever loses the the dance off dies because the machine kills them. Right. That. And that's more clear in the second film than it is in the first film. But basically what happens, this Dance Dance Revelation game in this semi-apocalyptic 
future where the gang warfare is over a liquor store. <laughs> See, you run all of that together and it sounds just silly. <laughs> but as it is. Whoever loses two out of three, whoever loses dies. And so you have Betro and Jatro, who are the brothers, and Betro the the whole premise of this film is Betro dies, Jatro abandons Dance Dance Revelation. I'll never dance Dance Revelation again. And he leaves town. He, leaves he town. goes off. He goes off to become a lumberjack. And he's okay. He's okay. He's <laughs> got the plaid and everything. Oh, by the way, the 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 clothing style and the cars. He did a beautiful job with the cars. Yeah. Because the film is full of 1980s and 1990s visual references. Um, so very much the clothing is, I, I saw one of the shirts that Jatro wears and I'm thinking, I didn't own that exact <laughs> shirt, but I kind of think I own the shirt that probably came out from the same company. I see, I, I missed all of that because mm. I have never been one to go shopping for myself for clothes. Mm. And it's it's a frequent complaint uh, of when I was growing up. It was a frequent complaint of both my mother and my sister, mm. because oh, let's let's go to you know Joskies or Titus or Dillard's or Sears or mm. wherever but, you know yeah. we get you some shirts. I was like, I don't need any shirts. I'm perfectly fine. I've got the clothes that I want, and I don't need anything else. And they would, they would constantly be getting frustrated because they were in there. Oh, look at this! Oh, look at this! Yeah, that's fine. Whatever. No, try it on. I don't want to. But no, no I think this will look good on you. I don't want. I don't want to try it on. I don't want that shirt. It doesn't matter to me. I don't. I don't like that shirt for me. It's perfectly fine shirt. Don't get me wrong. Mm. Not for me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because they get all the patterns and, and right, colors right, sure, right. and stuff i was like no i don't want this in case you folks haven't realized this jason's kind of a stick in the mud i am i am <laughs> stick in the mud. i am okay so the in, the in, so i have, I have dying to, off camera i have to tell this story all right by the way did, I, did have you seen my lawn lately yeah. there's no snow on yeah, my lawn get off it I like. all right so i have to tell this story <clears throat> yep when i was in college my freshman year in college I'm off in Oklahoma City, mm -hmm. and I get the package. I get a package from home. Oh, right. hey, yeah. it's a care package. I open it up, and it's just, now this was in 88, mm -hmm. 1988, mm -hmm. which was a day and a half ago. Right. Yes. Fashion was different back then. A couple then. of three weeks. Yeah, sure. Uh -huh. So I open up this package. It is a pair of jeans. Mm -hmm. And a shirt. Mm -hmm. The pair of jeans was this soft denim, kind of a robin's egg blue almost. <laughs> and the shirt was Reese's peanut butter cup orange. I mean, it was it was orange. It was bright wow. orange. Okay. And I was like, what in the world is this? I didn't ask for this. What is this? And I look at the label. It's Gloria Vanderbilt label. Now, now it's it's men's fashion. It's right, men's right, clothes. Right. It's it's cut for men. I was like, I'm not going to wear Gloria Vanderbilt. What is this? 
And I called my mom. I was like, "What did you see?" I said, "Oh, you know, your sister saw it and thought it would thought it would look good." I was like, I... <laughs> "Stop doing this!" It was. Fun. I mean, we laugh about it now, mm. or at least I do. <laughs> but you know, they they know. I do. I I think I might still have the shirt. I don't have the pants. <laughs> um, Secretly, he wears but, it when no one can see. Well, <laughs> it's. It's easier to wear a shirt that's kind of a bright color when you're not wearing oh, yeah. pants the color of the sky. Right. I mean, yeah. you know, if if you're wearing just regular jeans or a dark dark pair of jeans, mm. denim or whatever, okay. Sure. But but just the combination of them right, yeah. was just I'm like, ah, I'm not wearing this out in public. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Uh. But um, but yeah, my 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 mother and my sister have since learned that it's just not. Not good to take me shopping. I, they can't take me anywhere. <laughs> this hasn't changed. Um, <laughs> no, it hasn't. But the, I can't take me anywhere. The so. fashions in the film are very much inspired by Mad Max and apocalyptic. And so we have to make this very, very clear. The apocalypse is happening in the foreground. <laughs> in the background of like the, the shots of the town, mm. life is going on. It's so funny to, just to watch all this. It's like, and here's things are really bad in this town. And like people are walking down the street doing their yeah. shopping. It's the hardware store. That I think that's the best part of the entire thing is because you look at you look at all of these movies from back then that are in these small towns. Yeah. You know, things like Footloose or, you know, Karate Kid or, or um, you know, Say Anything or Breakfast Club or any of those things. They're in those small towns mm -hmm. and the small towns always have landmarks. You know, small towns always have these places where people go. Right. Yeah. That that mark them as small towns. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how many how many movies where, you know the hardware store type of place right. is where all of the things happen or, you know, things go. Um, wear, wear the shirt. Sci-Fi <laughs> Snob says, wear the shirt on screen or he'll unsubscribe. Uh, I don't even know where that is, where that shirt is right now. I would have to dig for it. But... Um, I think I still. I mean, give, give him, give him time. It's not a bad shirt. The pants were atrocious. I never wore the pants. Give him time to find it. The shirt. Give us, yeah, be, give, be, the shirt have, was a little, okay. have a little patience the shirt was on okay. that one. I mean, it was, it's, it's a, it's a golf shirt, you know. Uh -huh, you know right, golf yeah. shirt. It's not a, it's a nice shirt. It's just orange, you know. Like, I don't wear colors. He's wearing colors right pants, now. For those but of the you pants. Oh, well, I've gotten better. You know, I don't. But. But see, I'm wearing, I'm, but I'm wearing a dark color. Yeah, but you're also wearing, is, a, you're also wearing a plaid. That's true. It's a pattern. Yeah. So anyway, but we digress <laughs> yes, again. Yes. Still yes. some more. So it's. Uh, uh, <laughs> but anyway, the the one of the charm of this, the, some of the charm of this film is they did an awful lot with very very little money. It's a forty thousand oh, yeah. dollar budget. Yeah. And a forty five thousand dollar budget, and the film lost money. Alamo Drafthouse picked it up and screened it in theaters and had a lot of support from the folks. And it was their first film that they, they distributed, uh, uh, Drafthouse Pictures. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, it did not make back its budget. It got some pretty good reviews and some not necessarily great reviews. Um, but it is, it is an example of 
a film that a lot of people recognize could become a cult classic. And if you've ever tried to manufacture a cult classic... Um, on purpose. On purpose. It's it doesn't. It generally does not work. You look at films like uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Okay, Rocky Horror Picture Show actually started off as a stage play, and it was very successful as a stage production, mm-hmm. and uh, successful enough that they got money to make a movie. And they did not. Nobody thought it would still be playing in theaters around the world, constantly to this day. Nobody With interactive audiences, no less. Nobody anticipated that. Um, and if, if you weren't aware that there's a sequel to Rocky Horror called Shock Treatment. Um, I knew there was a sequel. I didn't know the title. Yeah, it's most people haven't seen it. And those who have, such as myself, can tell you that it is massively disappointing when you think about it, when you compare it to Rocky Horror. It's an odd, weird, kind of fun movie that I actually sort of enjoy, but it's no Rocky Horror. Well, you get something like that, like like a Rocky Horror or uh, Beetlejuice mm-hmm. or um, Rocky or you know something something that's a huge unexpected hit. Right. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, the expectations are do it again. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. And there's no guarantee that you're going to do it again. I mean, there, there's there's nothing that says that we know exactly what we did the first time. It was just, well, we're just making a movie and some mm-hmm. something. And you talk to creators all the time about this kind of thing, right. where you know, it, you know, people people talk about you know successful podcasts or successful uh, YouTube videos or you know things that go viral in, sure. in this day and age. That's the language that we talk about. And people have said, they're going, I don't know what I did. I just right. did the same thing I do every time. And this one just blew up. We don't know why. Exactly. And yeah. and people keep trying to find that golden formula for making things go viral. And it's like, you can't mm-hmm. make it go viral. It just happens to go viral. Right, right. And movie, movie success like that, cult classics especially, mm-hmm. are, are that same kind of thing. There where, has to be the whatever it was, that, that thing, that tiny little elusive thing. Um but you you look at say shock treatment and you can see that if you don't have Tim Curry who's not in it, mm-hmm. if you don't have well pretty much most of the cast of the of, right you know could could is there a way to make a sequel to Rocky Horror without Tim Curry and have it be a real sequel? I mean there was the live version of Rocky Horror that was was at NBC or which what who's doing the live NBC's yeah. doing all of those yeah I mean that was I, I I haven't seen it I've heard people thought it was a good effort. Yep. But it's and it's not Tim Curry. It's not Kim, Tim Curry playing Frankenfurter. You just yeah. there's certain things you can't you can't replace certain things. And yep. you can't catch lightning in a bottle is really really hard to do twice for for things that aren't cult classics. For a success just any sequel successful. sequel to Aladdin. The the animated mm-hmm. uh, right, it yeah. went straight to DVD uh, or straight home video. It didn't it wasn't DVD at the time. It went straight to home video VHS. <laughs> and it didn't have Robin Williams playing the genie right. in the second one, and it didn't do as well. Right. So they forked over the cash and brought him back for the third one, yeah. um, because Robin Williams is the genie, not Will Smith. Um, I I have a report from the the control room. Mm. Uh, intern went to go check that orange shirt is gone. I I wasn't sure that I'd kept it, but I don't think I kept it. Hmm. 
it's not where it would be stored because you know it's been winter. I haven't been wearing any any short sleeve shirts. Sure, right. But yeah, you know, and 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 I happen to remember now that I think I might know why I might not have kept it. Mm. It's because it didn't have buttons. It had snaps. Oh. And I thought, yeah, I think I probably you know now the longer I think about that, I think I I think I probably don't yeah, have that shirt anymore. I think. Um, I think the only shirt I had that had snaps on it was one that I had in the seventies. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, but that was also that so. was also the corduroy, the the corduroy at oh, the bottom yeah. period. Oh yeah, yeah. There's a photo somewhere. There's a photo somewhere of me as like a seven year old with corduroy, brown corduroy bell bottoms. I had a, I had corduroy pants when I was. It was the seventies. Young, young, young. There were a lot of bad things that happened in the seventies. A lot of a lot of things our parents are responsible for <laughs> but we survived <laughs> More we less. lived to tell the tale <laughs> so, so we enjoyed the first film we laughed yes. a lot we definitely yes. got the references it is um we don't want to spoil it too much but the cast is really really good it is the kind of film where the villain is so over the top and ridiculous and learning that he was supposed to be sort of inspired by mr t makes a lot of sense for his performance and his look. And his look. Because, yeah, he looks yeah, a lot the, like, you know, you got the like a very white Mr. T. And yeah. that sort of bombastic, over-the-top uh, uh, performance that Mr. T would often give in some of his roles. Mm -hmm. That very theatrical performance. Um, the um, the actress who played the, the love interest, um, we looked at... Uh, Mitty, do you remember her name off the top of your head? I can't remember her. I Her name was Yo, right? Yeah. <laughs> she kept <laughs> Yo, 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 yo. Uh, <laughs> oh goodness! See, and my plan was Caitlin Foley. Foley. Yeah, she's not. She's in, only in the first film. She was actually a uh, very uh, actually enjoyed her performance quite a bit. Uh, she's such an odd. It's such an it's such an odd character in a film full of odd characters. I mean, yeah. But she's it, she's very much that kind of stereotypical in many ways movie girlfriend uh -huh. trailer park girlfriend i mean the 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 good girl the, gone bad gone good who, again who I mean, wants just... to get out of town but yeah. can't escape and and there's some ludicrous moments in the film that she's an essential part of like and this is a mild spoiler um when jaytor comes back to town he stays in a tent in the yard of a guy he knows because he would he's not he's not he hasn't trained enough he hasn't earned the right to sleep in the house right so he's got to sleep in the tent and immediately next door like 10 feet away is the girl that he loves house with her terrible father yes and who who looks an awful lot like steve buscemi but he's not he's steve not buscemi. he's not um you he's a character actor. you've seen him all over the place he's in a lot Sean of stuff. something yeah he's a uh no not blt the no, dad that's the name. Yeah, BLT was the friend, right. the trainer, the the Mickey character. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so literally, when they say things like "I gotta go," she's walking like ten feet away. You know, <laughs> and it's like, "I'll see you tomorrow." Up the driveway. You know, it's just it's it's yeah. It's so silly that it works, and so much of this film is just that. It's so it's so aware of what it is mm -hmm. and what it's making fun of. You laugh along, and when you have big climactic scenes that are. Uh, played out with the props that dad their their the the brothers who made the film um they're you know they used whatever they could get it's a it's a 
surprisingly effective little parody of that those kind of movies. And it's shot beautifully. Uh, the bro- yeah, it's the, good cinematography. Um, it's not Jason. Um, who was the who was the other brother? Oh, for heaven's sakes! Hang on here. We we do want I do want to answer this because he's gone on to shoot quite a bit. He uh, he's done some films with Rob Zombie. Um, he's done uh, Brandon Trost. Yeah. And he's gone on to do. He's made several films with Rob Zombie. Uh, he was in both. He was involved with This Is the End. Uh, so as uh, Jason was involved with This and This Is the End. And uh, he turned out he actually made a his his character Jatro appears in This Is the End uncredited, uh, or a, a cannibal version of it. Um, he's got uh, he did Crank High Voltage. Which I I don't know that I can recommend the Crank movies. I don't think they're actually very good, but they're mm. kind of dumbly entertaining, and they're very interesting to look at. Yeah, Sean Whalen plays Tracy's dad. Right there we go, Sean Whalen. Yeah, uh, but yeah, the uh, the Scouse Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse, uh, Neighbors Two, The Disaster Artist. Can you ever forgive me? Okay, can you ever forgive me? Huge, huge, critical acclaim. Right. People have, have really thought that's a beautiful film. He just shot that, and he's working on a film coming out this year. Or there's a his next film that he's a cinematographer on is extremely wicked, shockingly evil, and vile, which is a Ted film about Ted Bud Ted Bundy. Speak coherently. So yeah, um, he he, uh, he shot this is the end. So he's he's got you know he's he's doing quite well as a cinematographer, and you can really see. Unfortunately, he's not the cinematographer on the second one. Yeah, uh, and if I had one complaint about the second film, it's the same kind of story, except it's more. There's a more of a John Carpenter influence, I would say. There's more of a Snake Plissken to the to the character of Jatro. There's a lot. Time. There's a lot more of the fantastical science fictional elements right. in the mm-hmm. second one than there was in the first one. Now, the first one, I was expecting there to be more. Mm-hmm. The second one, we actually get it, and and this idea that um, you know it's a it's an apocalyptic thing, and there's the wasteland, mm-hmm. and then now you get the map, you know, right. like like <laughs> the Middle Earth, you know, here's here's our our map, and it shows you where the FP is, and it shows you all of the wastes, and and you know this this, and of course there's composite shots mm-hmm. so now when you're out in the in the environment you get the big uh, destroyed city buildings in right, the background yeah. that are quite obviously <laughs> tracked into the shot right, in yeah. in some some optics and uh, to some degree this is very, very much in in <coughs> what you what you expect out of this kind of film telling this kind of story because a lot of those films that we watched when, you know, the early 90s, this kind of dystopian, you know, and there were a ton of them. Mm. Cyborg. Remember the Cyborg movies? Oh, yeah. Um, these were, uh, the effects were not great. No. And so <laughs> there's something charming about seeing the effects in the sequel not necessarily being great. Um, and there is just the visual, What a lot of what they do with, the, the visual effects is very appropriate for the 90s. But the cinematography itself, there's a, the, in the first film, they did a fantastic job. Even though apparently they they consider it to have a lot of lighting mistakes in it, it's lit extremely any. well. Yeah. 
Uh, it looks really good. It was shot on 35. Oh, was it? Uh, and it, it was shot digitally. Well, that's where and, all on, on that's where all the budget went then. Yeah. And the sequel is very much shot on on uh, DSLRs. DSLRs. But what it, they didn't do, and what they should have, they should have shot it on videotape. <laughs> I think they should have done uh, SVHS. Oh, God, that's God. what they should have done. When I was in college, the first time around, um, we had we had. Uh, early video and film production classes yeah, right. where we would take SVHS mm-hmm. and we'd go shoot our projects and we'd go edit them and, and put them together and whatnot. Right. And you look at them now mm. and the, the visual, the, the aesthetic of it, it just doesn't age well. No, and it, and no. You can tell it's on video, but it's, it's slightly better quality video than VHS but it still got that flat, yeah. No depth, no no uh, perspective or or mm-hmm. depth of field or anything like that. Um, I remember when ABC came out with a soap called The City. I think hmm. Morgan Fairchild was in it. This is this is ninety five ninety six when okay. this when this movie when when this series came out. It was a half hour show, I believe. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember because I worked at an ABC affiliate at the time. I remember looking at this. I noticed it on on you know we've got monitors all over the right, place, yeah, right? And I'm looking at it. I was like, this is a soap opera. It looks like it's shot on film. They can't shoot it on film. Not a daily soap opera. What are they shooting this on? And this mm-hmm. is back when 24P first became a thing. Oh, right, yeah. Where somebody had finally figured out that if you change the frame rate of video mm-hmm. and you change the way that the video scan lines were processed, right, you get a more film-like look. Mm-hmm. to video because right. videotape is obviously you, you look at videotape it's obviously videotape it's right, flat yeah. there's no dimension to it at all there's no you don't have very much in the way of con you know the contrast is off it is, you but can, for television you production it was cheap yeah yeah and then i thought well this is going to change everything and it did and not necessarily for the better because everybody decided to shoot a 24p everybody went with the digital formats mm-hmm. And we lost our standards. The NTSC standards went out the window. Everybody uses any kind of different format, and you know, you had MP4s and MOVs and QuickTimes and H.264 and H.265 and MP2 and MPEG. And somebody pick one. That's why they have universal players, because (sighs) yeah. But anyway, it's visually the second one doesn't have the depth and the quality. In my opinion, no, I agree. Of the first one, which is a shame because I think the story has the same. It's not as, it's not as laugh out loud funny as the first one, mm-hmm. but it also has plenty of laughs and some, some fairly. Again, if you're if you're old enough or a fan of the films of the '90s, where revelations would sometimes come in the course of a film, where the the character who was long thought dead. Turns out to not be dead. Yes, the long revealed the 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 the, the family member you didn't know existed suddenly uh, is there. This film has all of these things and more. <laughs> yes, and it is. Yes, and it, we did we did decide that there was a miscasting 
no offense, yes. no offense to the gentleman playing the part. I think he does, he does a fine job in the part. Yeah. However, it was a missed opportunity because very much so. Um, and we won't say anything more about it except that you thought it should be Michael Bain, and I thought it should be Rick Rick Springfield. Yes. And and I I think it should have been Rick Springfield. I really do. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, and they're I, they're funny films. <clears throat> they are, especially if you are if you are a fan of eighties and nineties movies. I mean, mm. and the and the the bad parts of eighties and nineties movies. The second movie. FP2 Beats of Rage actually won uh, Best Actor in a Feature at the Nightmares Film Festival in 2018, Jason Traws. Excellent, sure. Um, he, he, like I said, he channels, he channels Kurt Russell a f- few times in the film. And, and it was also nominated for Best Writing in a Feature and Best Midnight Feature, and that was all at the Nightmares Film Festival. I, I have not heard of the Nightmares Film Festival. I have not either. But I will say that it's it's definitely worth checking out. If you in, like I said, if you enjoy these kinds of movies, if this sort of thing is your bag, if you were a teenager in the eighties, mm-hmm. um, you may find this. You may enjoy it in the same way that, that fans of disaster movies like the airplane films, especially the first one. Where they sort of just poked com- Air, airport. If no, you mean air. You mean airplane. You I talk mean, about the parody. I'm talking about the parody. If, yeah. If okay. You, if you, right. A lot of people who enjoyed airplane enjoyed it on multiple levels, not just because it's a very very funny film, but because just before that film came out for like a decade, every five seconds you turned around there was some disaster film. About, airport seventy six. And it was it was airport seventy seven. <laughs> And, how know, many of those? How many of those airport movies did they do? Too many. I mean, airports. I mean, and you can even take it on to the Towering Inferno, and Poseidon, Poseidon Adventure. Adventure, and all those things. They actually did. Um, oh, that makes me think of Towering Inferno. They actually did. Uh, a, was it a two part? It. I think it ended up being a, a made for TV movie, um, uh, combining episodes out of emergency mm, sure in a towering inferno kind of thing oh, they made okay. they made their own right yeah. version of that story and you know there were all sorts of you know I mean, you, and you look at the production of that particular those two particular episodes i mean there were fire trucks everywhere like jack webb must have called in every favor <laughs> he could to get all of this going and of course there are some pieces of other movies right. that show up in these things. They, I mean, people people use footage from other films all the time back oh, then, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, a lot more than they used to, than they do now. Um, well, when you you're a lot of the a lot of the TV studios were owned or owned movie studios, so they, you right. take from your stuff all the time. Yeah, the I think um, the, and these were star-studded affairs. If you've never seen oh, any yeah. of these films, these were films that were full of a lot of the big actors of the time. Mm-hmm. Or at least actors that people would recognize. Maybe some of them were. It was a great way. It was a great way for older actors at the time, who were not necessarily getting uh, uh, leading role work work to end up in as an ensemble cast in this sort of thing. Uh, yes. And unfortunately, it meant <coughs> excuse me, a lot of really really talented people were in some terrible movies. Well, that's the case for uh, everything. I know, but still, uh, at, uh, these films have not aged well. Yeah. Sci-Fi Snob says, "Where can we see this film?" And it turns out. Um, the first movie 
the FP, mm-hmm. is on YouTube. Yes. In its entirety. Yes. Uncut. Uncensored. Uh, you can also find it on Blu-ray with a bunch of extras. <clears throat> yes. Yeah, um, we pa- we passed out Blu-rays, so there there are copies out somewhere. And uh, I have a copy um, at home, which I did, un- uh, I did not think to bring with me, but you uh, sent uh, your copy home with the intern. Yes. Um, and she has it there. She has it there. Well, and if you go to Drafthouse, is it drafthousefilms.com, mm-hmm. uh, you can see it there. There's, a, there's an actual, I think there's a link to the film from there. Right. I think they even link to the YouTube where you can watch Probably. the movie. So I don't know if FP2, FP2 is I online think, anywhere. No, but I think you have to see it in the theaters at this point. Yeah, but um, it should be coming out on home theater at some point. I, yeah, and I would I would actually... Home video, home, home theater. theater. <laughs> we know what you meant. Yeah, no, this is something that we really... Uh, I think, yeah. If it's this, an experience. It's an experience. And, I'm, and unfortunately, I would say... Watching it on YouTube, unless you have a large television, it is actually one of those films that benefits from being in the theater mm-hmm. because you're with other people, and the 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 ability for me to lean over in this dark theater <laughs> and and we were Jason and go, did you just see that? Yeah, and he's like, yes. <laughs> oh 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 oh! Wait, oh, wait, wait, oh we what? forgot. Oh no, the ducks. Oh god. <laughs> How could you forget the ducks? Best, best, and this is, we no spoilers, <laughs> right. but we what? will say this. No, 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 no. Okay. We will say this. All right. It is the best use of a waterfowl. <laughs> and the best speech about waterfowl, I think, in the history of, of film. I, ca- I cannot personally think of a better speech about waterfowl <laughs> ever recorded in the history of, of, of cinema. Uh, and, yeah. and I cannot... Uh, in the sequel, I cannot say that I have ever seen a better "what the hell" moment involving waterfowl. <laughs> <laughs> that is uh, just. Oh, I don't, we don't. We, we cannot spoil it. Okay. We spoil okay. The, the, okay. The duck scene. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I tell you what. Say. I tell you what. Okay. So here's here's what we will do then. Since oh, we're not going to spoil this, um, go watch the FP. Yeah. Send us an email, h2o at sci-fi4me.com. Let us know what you think, and we will we will read responses on the air um, within within certain reasonable limits, right? Of course, yeah. But, um, but yeah, we'll uh, we'll we do were, that. You know, it, it's it, there are lots of times you go to see a movie and you get excited about it, and you, the film is a disappointment, or or you know, you go to see a film and you, you have a wonderful time. You know, however your movie experience it is, so often we do get no chance to go in blind and yeah. watch something that we simply don't know what we're going to get. And we we this this sounded like a fun thing to do, so we did it. And yeah, and it was completely out of the blue too. I I had run across uh, something, and I I'd sent an email to Amber Solomon over at yeah. Alamo Drafthouse, and I said, you know, we. We do, you know, science fiction, fantasy, and horror films and stuff, and and uh, uh, we cover all of this. Is there some way that we can get in on doing some screens and helping you guys out with some stuff? Right. She's like, oh, well, you know, funny you should ask. And she had this idea for things, and I I think it went really well. Oh, yeah. um, there weren't a whole lot of people in the theater, but it's, you know. Kind of a cult film. It is. It is very much a cult film, and I think I'm hoping... 
that we can do this again. Right. Because the next thing where they have something planned, I believe, is the reboot of Pet Cemetery. Right. Which looks interesting. I'm I, not a big horror fan. And while I am, um, the thought of a remake of Pet Cemetery did not fill me with joy. But there's a trailer to the Pet Cemetery and at I the screen. And I have to say, the trailer looks pretty good. Um, a visual, and, and it looks like they're not going to necessarily be particularly um, faithful to the book just based on some of the stuff we're seeing in the trailer. Mm-hmm. I, it's hard to tell. It's a trailer. But on the other hand, I'm intrigued by it, and I think I like the look of it. I, there's, there's promise there, and I think that recognizing that, that adapting a book into a film are two very, very different creatures. Right. Um, and that Stephen King's track record with adaptations is... Spotty. Well, given that he's happy with this one, oh, I yeah. hear it may it may go fairly well. And I I have to admit, I didn't even recognize John Lithgow until about halfway through the trailer. I was like, oh, yeah, that's John, that's John Lithgow. I have I have a perverse fondness for the first version of Pet Cemetery with Denise Crosby. Yeah, no, partially because it's got Denise Crosby in it, and partially because the little kid playing the the child who. Spoiler alert for a book and movie that's been out for a very, very long time. Um, is a recipient of the powers of the cemetery. Uh-huh. Um, is adorable as he's killing people. I mean, he's just, you know, when 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 he get, when he meets his his final demise, he looks at the person and says, "No fair." <laughs> and your heart just goes, aw, yeah. die, die, yeah. die, 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 <laughs> aw. So I have, a, I have a fondness for that film. It's not a great, necessarily a great adaptation of the story, but it's was, also... Was that... Now, Denise, did Denise Crosby do that movie before or after... After Star Trek. It was after Star Trek. Yeah, okay. It was after Star Trek. So, I think that was the first thing that she did after she left Next Generation, I think right? It, I think so. I'm not, okay. I'm not entirely sure, but I believe so. All right. Uh, the... I'm looking forward to it. I, I, think, I think it's got promise. It'll be interesting. And we did talk about the trailer to Pet Cemetery. Mm-hmm. Um, seeing how we're going to mm-hmm. do here. We right. talked about that trailer to Pet Cemetery along with other trailers on our show, Trailer Park, mm-hmm. which right now has three episodes. The third episode is what I call the double wide episode. Normally it's a half hour. We try to keep it to a half hour. And we we went and did the the big game trademark bowl super version of trailer park right. and it ended up being an hour and a half and i was like oh my this is too long <laughs> um but the third episode is super long bull and it has pretty much all the trailers right. you know, we we basically just kind of caught up we need to do another episode soon but yeah the trailer park is our movie trailer uh discussion and we've got uh lanita cook who's a local film critic and Preston Fossil, who is a staff writer for Fangoria Magazine, mm-hmm. he is a regular on that show, and we're very happy to have him. Um, yeah, some some good stuff coming too, but I can't I can't say what yet. Yeah. Spoilers, but yeah, so we have some hopefully some potentially good stuff coming up with Alamo Drafthouse as well. I would hope so. I would hope so. so. And, and and I'm hoping that we have some good stuff coming with Fangoria too. Yeah, but I can't say. Right. So check out FP. Already said too much. Yes. Yeah. Check out the FP. Um, if you, again, if you enjoy the '80s, '90s films, if mm. you if you appreciate someone look going, okay, I can make this even sillier. 
then you will probably enjoy the film. Yes. And honestly, if you're if, if give give it fifteen minutes on YouTube. If you if you are not laughing fifteen minutes in, just stop. <laughs> Step away. You'll be, you'll be fine. There are other things to watch. But if you are laughing fifteen minutes in, you'll stay laughing the rest of the film. Yes. Um, okay. So uh, real quick before we go, want to give out another shout out to our sponsor, superherostuff.com. Uh, you can go there, put your order in for all of these licensed merchandise stuff, Star Wars, Star Trek, Doctor Who, Godzilla, Walking Dead, Battlestar Galactica, Transformers, uh, all of that, uh, DC and Marvel mm-hmm. and Image. And uh, when you go to check out, you can enter the promo code SciFi for me 10 and you will get 10% off your order. And I have confirmed that this can be used in combination with other offers. Right. So sale prices, reduced prices, discounts, or anything like that. You can use this promo code and you get 10% off in combination with certain other offers. And we're happy to have them back on board as a marketing partner. And if you're an owner or a manager of a company that would like to advertise on Sci-Fi For Me TV, you can certainly get in touch with us for that as well. We'd like a coffee sponsor. We would, yes, yes, because we drink, we drink a, a lot of a lot of coffee. Yeah, yes. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess that's going to do it for this discussion. We will be back next week with some other topic. There's a few things we can talk about. I'm sure we'll talk about some of them. Some of them might be uncomfortable. Some of them might not be. That's true. We ever know. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes, uh, sometimes we go there. Sometimes we don't. We try to always try to entertain, and we always try to. Uh, Hope you guys enjoy listening to us. Yes, and your this. and your feedback is always welcome. You can Please. send us an email, h2o at sci-fi for me.com, or you can uh, leave a comment on all of the different places where you find us. Uh, the hashtag is H2O Podcast, so you can get in touch with us that way. Mm-hmm. Um, or you could just you know leave a comment on the video or leave a comment on uh, on our dot com side when we post when we post it. We try to get the audio version posted on Tuesdays. Mm-hmm. Right. The live version on video is every Saturday at 2, so Mm -hmm. uh, for future reference. And our programming note, Salacious Crumbs is moving to Monday nights at 7, every other Monday night at 7 o'clock. Which means we have a release schedule basically Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday. Yes, yes. Um, And we're going to try to keep, we're trying to keep things on the regular so Mm -hmm. people know when to expect to look at things, look for things. Um, so, uh, so yeah, we're doing, a, you know, seven o'clock on, in the evenings and we're doing a 10 o'clock in the morning on Tuesday, 10 o'clock on Saturday. So we're trying to keep right. it at least somewhat regular. Mm-hmm. So, all right. That's going to do it for us this week. Thanks very much for watching. Thanks very much for listening and uh, we'll do it all again next week. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio, copyright 2019 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.